0: Hi there and welcome to the latest edition of the Net weekly podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 208 of the Net podcast. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. We're previewing the Livingston game at Ibrox tomorrow. As I say every week guys, it's not just the pod that we have here at Net. If you get yourself onto the website, you'll find the forums, there's articles, Frankie's got one up this week. There's a history archive on the website as well, so get yourself onto that. Uh, and, and as I always say every week as well, you know, put the word out there, let people know we're here, you know, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff, that'd be grand. Uh, before I get started, I will need to find my notes, there they are, I'll need to mention our, uh, our partners at Forest Precision Engineering. Who are a subcontract Glasgow based engineering company and have been a big commercial supporter of the club for, for a number of years. Uh, we're delighted that they're back in the pod, and you can get more information uh, on their website at www.forestprecisioneng.com. Uh, uh, they also have a, a suite in the main stand at Ibrox. A stunning new suite, so get yourself booked in for that. If that interests you, uh, you can email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, so now to bring in my guest for tonight, uh, it's Craig Ray. Are you there, Craig?
1: I'm. I'm here, Colin. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You wanna you wanna show
0: up on my screen there? I was panicking. I thought I was talking to myself <laughs> at one minute.
1: I can all be all guilty of talking to ourselves sometimes, aren't we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's one of the things, but no, um, I'm good calling it's Friday. Rangers are back tomorrow, so um, kind of is, is that a good thing in current circumstances? I, 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 I was going to say that you're probably going to have people in the comments going, What, what it's a good thing that Rangers are playing, but uh, no, I think it's always a good thing when Rangers are playing, regardless of, of how we're all feeling. So, um, it's another game, it's another day, and, and let's look forward to it tonight.
0: Yeah, I, I, I should give a wee mention in the backdrop, by the way, uh, the the, the pen and from the Rangers-Leeds games. 30 years ago tonight, 30 years ago, at this very moment, I was sitting in the Bruinland Road rear watching Rangers beat Dun- uh, Dungeon United, Leeds United, sorry, 2-1, and it remained my favourite game at Ibrox uh, until the Leipzig game just a few months ago there. The, the, the Leeds game was, uh, I'm assuming you're too young to remember it, Craig, you probably weren't even born then, but the noise, no. just, uh, just the noise when the two teams came out especially it was just, off the scale, and uh, I can't believe it's 30 years. I can't believe I'm that old. Uh, but there we go. So I just thought it was worth a mention just before we came on air. So I think it was old Rangers Pictures uh, account uh-huh. highlighted. That it was the 30th anniversary. I was like, oh, God, there you go. So yeah, big big shout out to Rangers V Leeds 30 years ago tonight. Uh, before we get started on tomorrow's game, Craig, I thought it, would, it was worthwhile talking about Stephen Gerrard, who obviously uh, got his jotters last night from Aston Villa in quite a brutal way, it would appear. I think it was like the minute the game finished and, you know, on the bus home, coming back from London, he knew he'd been sacked, all the players knew he'd been sacked. So it seems a bit brutal. And I've seen a few Rangers supporters online sort of taking a bit of pleasure out of, out of his predicament. And a uh, lot, I'm not, I'm not saying it's all the Rangers supporters. No, I, I mean, I was quite angry at the the, the way Steven Gerrard left us. It, it, it annoyed me. You know, it, it was almost like a midnight flip when it, you know, international break, he buggers off, and all of a sudden you're like, what happened there? Uh, but time's a great healer. It, it was kind of the same for me. When soonest went, you know, soonest, like literally about a month before he left, was in was in the Rangers news saying, I'll never leave Rangers. You know, I'm in contract discussions with David Murray. I'm never going to leave this club. I'm here for life. A month later, he's he's down the road eh, and signing for Liverpool. And and and. You know, a lot of Rangers supporters were angry at that at the time, but I think time's a great healer, and the older I've got, you know, I get over these things a bit quicker, you know, and after a few months, I kind of came round thinking, well, actually, I'm very glad that Steven Gerrard was at the club. You know, I'm glad, you know, one, he he, he got the title, you know, the the title that at various stages in that journey, I I question, might never see it again, if I'm being honest, you know. We seemed so far off at one point, you know, when we were getting through that journey to Forfar and, you know, Aaron Athletic and all those sort of clubs. You know, he got that title, he stopped to 10. The European thing, I think, is worth a mention because he has given me, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 50 next year. I've been going to 30 34 years now, consistently for the last sort of 25, 30. That's the best sort of run of European form, the most consistent run of European form I can remember, you know, that four years and it, and it kind of set us up for that that final in Seville so I think, you know, seeing some of the supporters enjoying being in this sort of predicament I, I'm not sure I agree, I'm 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 thankful to Steven Gerrard, I think he done a, a really good job at Rangers, I think he picked the club up, was in the gutter I think he picked us up, made us a, a proper footballing club again and uh, I'm very thankful for the fact that he was at the club.
1: Yeah, I, I can't really disagree on anything much I've said there, Colin. I think the perfect phrase you used there was, time's a great healer. Um, I think like everyone, you know, I don't think there was one Rangers fan in the world that wasn't angry when he left and sort of the way that he did leave. But... As you say, time is a great healer and he brought us so many good memories, as you say, brought us back up from the gutter and, you know, Celtic fans of last year have been talking about the rebuild that did. I mean, my God, if they think that's a rebuild.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. What, what uh, kind uh, of
1: rebuild did Steven Gerrard get? And I think, I think the they even called was, it project rebuild, do you know what I mean? I, you know, what, one
0: season without the title and it's I, so, uh, I know, anyway, it's, anyway,
1: there you go. I, I mean, two two seasons in a row in third place. Yeah. Um, miles behind Celtic, absolutely miles behind Celtic. And you know, he did He he got his, you know, in my opinion anyway, probably the most important title in our club's history. Um eventually did take him a couple of attempts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Cups weren't great. And I think he could have won more, but at the end of the day we all craved that that fifty fifth league title and you know, I've I've it's down on the website as well. And I know we uh mentioned to that that, that my favourite Rangers memory is, is helicopter Sunday, but um probably in terms of a whole sort of experience, probably that that title one was probably the best weekend of my, of my life if I can remember much of it. But um it was, it was it was it was an incredible moment, and you know it was it was it wasn't even the three years of Steven Gerrard in the making; it was ten. 10 years in the making and I think it was quite fitting that the day we lifted the trophy was the 15th of May 2021. Bang on, 10 years. 15th of May 2011 when we Mm -hmm. done it at Rugby Park against Kelly. So, I mean, in fairness, if you're talking about his time at Aston Villa, you know, I think the writing was on the wall for him for a wee while. um, Yeah, yeah. He
0: stole the wee bit.
1: You know know what it's like in the Premier League. I mean, the Aston Villa jobs like a poison chalice. They're they're probably going to have more managers there than... And there's been Prime Ministers in the last few years, but, you know... <laughs> last I, few I, years? Last couple of weeks? Aye, <laughs> last couple of weeks, I know, I know. Um, But I, it's just, it's one of the things, it's football. And, and a lot of people have said, well, oh, I think his career's going to stall I mean, it's Stephen Gerrard. The guy will probably pick up, at the very least, a top-level championship team in England. Possibly a sort of lower Premier League club, just because hes his name alone, and also the job that he done at Rangers. So he might get the other cool job one day, but, you know, it's, it's not going to be... <laughs>
0: going to be any time soon. I, don't think, I, I actually think this this could be it for him. I think he might go back to punditry. I, I just wonder if he said Probably a plan and yeah, he said, "Yeah, but yeah." I just think the end game in this, and I think we all knew that. We all, we all, we, you know, the, the, there was no cloak and dagger nature about his his motives. I think we all knew he wanted the the Liverpool job. He saw. I mean, he said, he was on record many times saying that Rangers were very similar to Liverpool, you know, big club expectation, all that kind of thing. So it gave him that sort of experience of managing a club. But the expectation is, I think the move to Villa was to sort of give him experience in managing in the Premier League and all that kind of thing. And I think if he'd done a good job there, then he's put, he's put his hat in the frame for, for whenever Jürgen Klopp goes. But I think that's gone now. I, I don't think he's going to be the next Liverpool manager, whoever that is. They're going to be there for maybe three, four, five years. You know, I don't think. I, I just don't think he's going to keep pushing it. I think he he had a plan in mind, and I think it's it's come unstuck. And I just wonder, just based on stuff he said in podcasts and stuff like that, that he, he wasn't going to be in this management game too long because he wanted you know to spend time with the family and all that kind of thing. So I think that might be better, but I might be wrong. You know, that's that's, that's just my guess. Uh, yeah, time will tell. But whatever he does, I wish him well because uh, yeah, he gave us a pride back and. Uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for his, his time at the club uh, On to tomorrow, Craig uh, Rangers against Livingston, Max Day 11 for us in the uh, SPFL Premier League uh, 3 o'clock kick-off at Ibrox tomorrow No train strike tomorrow but there is one next week against Aberdeen uh, I found that out today because I had to leave the game <laughs> the Dungeon United game early uh, last week there, a couple of weeks back because there was a train strike, so be mindful of that Nothing tomorrow, so all, all good tomorrow yeah, I was having a wee look at the odds. Uh, Rangers one seven, draw sixty-one. Livingston a fourteen to one. But I suppose the big talking point about tomorrow, uh, Craig, and it's already happened. There's a game going on tonight. Is the introduction of VAR, you know? So we've got VAR in, in Scottish football. There's already it's already intervened tonight. Martin Boyle uh, was booked for simulation. Uh, and nice. was, yeah, I know. Imagine if it was Morelos. So I think we'd have been hearing a lot about that. But. Uh, it went to VAR and it was confirmed that he has a diving cheating prick and the, the booking remained. So it's already it's already been used. We'll have it tomorrow. So there are four uh, sort of situations that can be used: straight red cards, not yellow cards, or a second yellow card that won't be used in those situations, just straight red cards, uh, penalty decisions, goals, and mistaken identity. <laughs> right, so, uh, I mean, I suppose we'll find out. I'm—I mean, I've been quite consistent in my in my, in my opinion on this. I'm not a fan of our. I, I just think it's an extra layer of bureaucracy. I don't think it, it enhances the experience for supporters who are at the game. You know, you're sitting there at home, fine. You, you hear straight away, yeah, they're doing a check or they're not doing a check, blah blah blah. At the game, you don't have a clue. It seems to take an age for it to come up on the screen, and then you've got to wait on the the the, the actual final decision. and I just, I'm just, I'm not a fan. And I think you're so immature up here when it comes to the football. I just think it's going to add an extra layer of controversy. Can you imagine, you know, the, the, the permanently offended mob across the road there? The minute this VAR goes against them, that you know, it'll be another Masonic conspiracy, all that kind of thing. So I'm not that keen on it. How, how do you feel? You think
1: it's time that it was introduced or oh. you're with me and think? No, absolutely. It's time to get into just calling I mean, it's been it's been a long time coming. Um, do you know what it does have its flaws? And for me, I think the biggest flaw is probably, and this is what's going to be the initial sort of bad thing about it, is probably the time that it takes for decisions to be made. The second bad thing about it is that Scotland and the referees that we're gonna have are gonna remain the same. Well, that, but that's that's one of the points. It's um, the same, it's the same people that are getting yeah. the decisions wrong that are, that are calling the shots. The, th- the, th- th- the thing is though, I think if anything, if they've got this sort of, you know, this extra man there to help them get the decisions right, surely, and you know, surely that would then show properly beyond a shadow of a doubt how incompetent the referees are. And to me, if that does happen, then that's a good thing because surely you can only learn from that. And that, You know, either that means retraining referees, getting them in full time, getting new ones through, maybe even get them from abroad. So I think now that the referees in Scotland, they're I mean, I wouldn't say they've gotten away with making bad decisions before. They probably have, to be honest, for a while, but, you know, it's like up here. But I do think now, because there is that, there's that layer of sort of transparency during a game that we've never, ever had. Um, I think a lot of referees, are you know, if they don't make the right decisions, they're going to find themselves under a lot of pressure from from Scottish football fans. And I, I do, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist like, like some people, but, you um, I genuinely just believe the quality of referees in this country is crap, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it's it's honking. It's probably the worst in Europe, I would imagine. Um, the referees aren't full time. Although, in fairness, somebody made this argument about, oh, you know, can we make the rest full time? Would that make it better? I mean, possibly, but then I'm kind of thinking, well, if you can't tell what's a penalty, no penalty, what's a foul, and no foul, if you're trading 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week, like, do you think running about a pitch for an extra? Twenty years a week is going to make you make that decision better or quicker. I don't think it will, to be honest. But oh, surely,
0: you know. surely, surely. If I mean, if you if you take the, the, the sort of application of professional against amateur and anything
1: else, professional's always better than yeah. Not? I, you know, I, I know, I, I know that, but I think because in terms of referees and the mistakes they make are, are so sort of like you know, it's it's human error, do you know? I mean? It's like how can you how how can you train someone to you know the rules or something? I, I think of it as well, you know, but. Like, you know, you know that you work part time in a job and you're not full time, but when you're working part time, you're still expected to show up for the, the twenty hour a week contract that you're doing and work, you know, to the best of your ability at a professional level for twenty hours a week, whether you're part time or full time. So, you know, whilst they might be classed as part time, they still are professionals, the money yeah. that they're making, you know, the money that, that's been invested in referees the last few years, that you know, if you're a part time referee, you're earning more than the average wage in this country anyway. You know without having their, their second jobs as lawyers or teachers or coppers or whatever whatever it yeah. is they do. Um so I don't really think that should have an impact on how good or bad they are decisions. As I said, but with far, I think it brings in a level of transparency that we haven't had before. So I think that's only good.
0: Do you not think there's a danger though, like you were talking about there, it would put referees under you know under more scrutiny. Is there a possibility? And I think this is the case because I think referees I mean, I, I think they get into it for, for the best intentions and stuff like that, but I do think it's a bit of a boys club. You know I mean? I do think there, there's that element to it. You know, oh, it's, it's, you know, so if you're sitting there with the screen and all the rest of it, with the, with the images there that are going to damn your mate to hell in terms of how, how inadequate a referee he is, are you really going to flag that up or are you just going to let that go? Well, if, if I was
1: his mate, then I think the first thing that I would want to do is for him to get his... To get his job right, and I genuinely think as well. Would you not? Would you not be more embarrassed if it's getting flagged on sports on on the Sunday rather than during the game, when you've got that option there of actually rectifying it during the game? Because I think that would be more embarrassing for my pal. Um, although maybe they want to embarrass us. Who knows? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? You know, you know what these refs are like. They're a, they're strange people. So um, who knows what they're like? Well, they're a Protestant boys'
0: club, aren't they? Apparently, so that well, that maybe explains a lot. You know. Uh, that, that's neither here nor there I so, don't think they it. are But there we go <laughs> right, right, on to, on to Livingston uh, a, a really strange start I was looking at today uh, Ten games, no draws They've won five and they've lost five So they're very they're very black and white uh, They obviously gave us a tricky game In the first, the, the opening game of the season uh, At the Tony Macaroni Stadium The boy uh, Joe Noobly, he He caused us a lot of problems that day you know, it took a couple of late goals from Arfield and Taft to sort of save the day. I, I, I was again sitting today, thinking, I'm trying to think of a really good game against Livingston. The only one that came to mind it was it was about twenty odd years ago. We were we were either four nothing up or four one up, and it four went, three and it went four three. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it became really nerdy. And that game stands out. But other than that, I, I, I genuinely am struggling to think of, of a good game against Livingston. I think the games that. At their ground, are always horrible. can I really, really remember a standout game at Ibrox. But, that I mean, you know, they're not coming to entertain They're here to get points and stuff like that. And Martindale will certainly set up uh, to do that. So, given the kind of awkward nature that Livingston can be at times, you know, that they are a bit of an awkward club and a, a sort of a sticky team to get past at times. And given that performance, which this is the only mention Wednesday night's performance will get in the show. <laughs> Right, given the standard of that performance on Wednesday, it feels like tomorrow,
1: if, 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 if we put in that sort of level of performance, it, it could be a tricky game. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, Levy's always a tricky game. Um, it's weird, but we love it all because we've all got this sort of, oh, yeah, it's a tricky game, this, that, and the next thing. I've done my research earlier, and a record against Levy since they've came back up in 2018. That's pretty good. Yeah. The, beat is, the beat is once, um, I think, the game where, what was his name? can't remember. Um, Dolly Menga scored at their ground. They beat us 1-0 under Gerrard. And then the 55 season, I think the third game or fourth game of the season, we drew 0-0 over there as well. Batsic, I think, hit the bar of the post near the end. Apart from that, I think we've won every single game against them in the League of the Cup. The thing is, have any of those wins been convincing? Absolutely not. (laughs) So it's going to be a tough game. Um, You know how Livia are going to set up. I mean, it's no no secret to anyone. Um, you know, I thought that big striker the one that, that scored against is. I mean, he really gave his problems. You know, suit yeah. Suiter especially. Obviously, we know the the unfortunate situation it was playing under at that time. Um, but you know, Nubly was made to look like you know, drug under Mourinho. I mean, it was, you know, it looked sensational and it really did give his give his problems. And then obviously we had the the Cholak goal ruled out, which incidentally if Val was there, but uh, but well,
0: um... th- well I, I, this is this is one thing I've got to say. Like when I was when I was reading what it's gonna you know influence on it just says goals. It doesn't say anything about offside or not offside. So I was like well is is the offside rule included in the goals but it, it yeah the, the four the four issues that uh, or the four parts that VAR is going to play a part in offside isn't mentioned.
1: It, it, it will be, it's just that the way that they describe it is very sort of pedantic. So you think it's but the it goals, so, the yeah, goals yeah. That, so, so if there's a goal scorer, any, they'll check for offside? Yeah, basically with VAR, I mean, this happens in any other league, any goal that's scored with VAR gets checked. Not by, no, the referee doesn't check it, but the VAR officials will always look, you know, if there's a foul in the build-up, should a corner have been given, if it's a goal from a corner, is the player offside, blah, 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 blah. Good, well, a couple of good examples in the Europa run last year. Roof scored against Granby. He scored that the ref flags offside. That that's one goals, but that's an offside one that got overturned and the goal get given. Same with Morelos yeah. against Dortmund. Though the difference with that one is Morelos was about twenty yards onside. Um, but um, the flag gets the flag gets raised. He's offside, but then it goes to VAR because they've they've said look, he's onside. Yeah. Or he might he might be on maybe not say he's onside, but to say he might be onside. And then they're like, well, yeah, he probably is onside. Come and have a look. So that that would have stood with her. But and in terms of it, it's always a tough game, um, you know, but I'm a wee bit more sort of up for it tomorrow after the press conferences today, um, especially with Cholak earlier kind of basically saying that he's wanting to, the players will want to put on a bit of a performance and a show for the fans, which... It's probably the first time someone's actually said that this season. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that results in not only just a win, um, but a good performance as well. Although in saying that, with everything's going uh, that's going on, and I know we'll speak about it later, I will gladly take a scrappy 1-0 win, at least until the winter break with everything that's went on with us. But I know we'll get into that later.
0: Yeah, in terms of the squad update, G- Gio was given a sort of update today. They obviously, the the, the injury list remains uh, fairly lengthy. Uh, and we've, we've added Ridvan to that. Apparently he picked up a wee knock on Wednesday, so he, he'll be out tomorrow. Nothing too long, according to Geo, just, just you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. Uh, but some positive news about Conor Golson today, you know, it sort of suggested that it appears that the injury is not as bad as first feared, and we could see him in January, which, you know, given the break that's coming up for the World Cup, doesn't actually seem that that far away in terms of games, you know. So that I mean that that's a positive. Also, talk of Kimara coming back in for, for the Napoli game. I mean, I would view that as a positive. I know, given his form, some others won't eh, at the moment. So yeah, I mean, you know, we are kind of down to the bare bones. But you know, when, when you look at the 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 personnel that's still available, you would imagine that we've got enough
1: in the tank to 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 put out a. You know, a team that'll get a result tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um that that's why we've got such a big squad. Um you know, um we, we need to go out and at the very least get get the three points tomorrow. There's no excuses. I know we've you know, as you say, the squad is down to the bare bones, but the, the quality that we'll put on the park compared to Livingston, especially at Ibrox with 50,000 fans, there's no excuse for for not getting the job done. Yilmaz is is a real disappointment because I think actually I mean I would have liked to see him play anyway, just because, you know, it's good to give him a wee run of games. But I think tactically as well, um, it would have been interesting to see how he played against Livingston because he's sort of more of a a ball-type player, like on the ground, if that kind of makes sense, whereas Barisic would be whipping balls in. And I think, you know, if you're doing that against Livingston constantly the movement from Cholak's going to have to be really, really, really good to get away from it, which it is, in fairness, his yeah. movement's excellent, but I think that Livingston would love to play against, if Livingston are defending crosses all day tomorrow, they'll, they'll love that, whereas I think Yilmaz would have been able to change up a wee bit, so, you know, if, if he is out tomorrow, I think that is a wee bit of a blow in terms of showing what, what we might have been able to do against him, um, but no, I mean, we need to go and win tomorrow, they'll you know, regardless of how the squad is, there's no excuses for not getting a I win tomorrow, end of.
0: Especially, you know, you know, the Celtic games at lunchtime tomorrow. If they get the three points, yeah, you know that that makes three points imperative. You know, it's not even it's not even up for debate. Uh, in terms of Connor goals, and you know, say there, you know, some positive news at you know out till January. But I, th- I think for a while there, it was feared that was going to be a lot worse. Yeah. So it, it feels like the timescale on that has come down a wee bit. But you know, probably a good. Good opportunity to talk about Lee and King. Uh, you know, we, we look at it as a, as a negative, and it is a negative, you know, Connor Goldson is such an important player, and I think we found that out against Liverpool. You know, once, once he went off, the organisation seemed to just disappear for that back four. So, yeah, we're going to miss Connor Golson. I get that, but you know, trying to look at the positives, it's it's giving this boy a chance, and he and he has rated and get and you know given. The sort of performance levels he's given since he came in, you know, the, the boy's got to grab his opportunity, and I, and I would say he has done so far. I think he looks apart.
1: Yeah, I, I love Leon King. I think he's, I think he's great, especially for his age. It's, it's hard to believe as well that he's eighteen. Eighteen, like I, know. Oh. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, like Jesus Christ, man. Um I read something earlier today that apparently a couple of years ago, I think when he was fifteen or sixteen, he knocked back a move and a lot of big money to the EPL. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me. Um this guy has clearly been in the minds of, you know, people at Rangers for a very, very long time. Gerald gave him his debut. Um Gio last year, as soon as it hit the first of January, said you know, new contract and you're in my first team squad for the rest of the season because obviously in the, the month or so before the new year that Gio was in, he looked at me and he went, right, you're, you're good enough to come in straight away. Um, And this year, he's had plenty of opportunities and I, I do think he's grabbed them. Um, One thing that I really, really like about him is, you know, his leadership abilities from from where I was on in, in Wednesday. Sorry, the other men, uh, another mention of the game on Wednesday. But, um, like any time the ball went out to Sand, like if he was to pass the ball across to Sands who was obviously his partner in Wednesday, he was always pointing, he was always shouting, you know, yeah. go there, go there, go there, go there. Something that Goldson does, you know. Um and King's probably it's probably helped him a lot playing alongside Goldson a few times and, and stuff like that. But it was really good to see that in a game like that, you know, he's telling Sands who, you know, is a no, Sands isn't old. He's, he's only a couple of years older, than him, but Sands is, you know, the the professional. He's an international football, an international and player, like yeah. And Kings just not, no given a toss. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, that for me supersedes everything about his ability as well, which is obviously second to run. So, yeah, I think he'll come in definitely. I mean, he'll play for the last few games up until the winter break. Anyway, the guys played in every single Champions League game this year which for an 18 year old is incredible and I mean I know we've been absolutely gubbed in each of them but you know it'll teach him a lot of good going forward and yeah. you can only take you can only take positives from that in my opinion
0: Yeah I mean it, 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 it kind of reminds me of the Danny Wilson situation Danny Wilson I think <laughs> he was about the same age and yeah. you know he got Champions League experience in it and that benefited him and I think Danny Wilson's biggest mistake was was going oh, to Liverpool cool. I just think he went too young and and that's that's had the the impact in his career I, 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 honestly I used to look at Danny Walsh and think, again probably well before your time I, I thought he reminded me Alan Hansen a lot you know how composed he was on the ball and stuff like that and I thought well, this boy's going places and I just think he made that big move just a wee bit too soon but hey ho hopefully Leon King doesn't, doesn't do the same thing uh, on uh, came our Roof I, th- I thought it would be worthwhile having a wee chat about him Craig because obviously he's been out for, for so long you know actually Forgot he existed at one point, you forget he's there because he's been out for so long. I've heard wee snippets in the background from here and there that the reason he was out for so long this time was, you know, they wanted to get this problem fixed. So I, I don't know if that meant surgery or whatever, but the, the, they gave him the rest that he needed and they'd done everything that they needed to do and to try and fix this situation once and for all. And apparently, when he returned to training, he was training pain-free for the first time in a number of years. Now, again, how how true that is, I don't know, but that's just some of the stuff that I I was being told. You know, he he came back on Wednesday night there, and again, I I think he saw he's body. The type of player that, if he was fully fit and didn't have the injury record that he had, there's probably an argument to say that he wouldn't be at Ibrox. He would probably be playing at a higher level in terms of the league. Uh, but, it's, you know, when you consider the form of Cholak, Morelos has, has, has obviously come in and, and chipping in with goals. You know, another option up front, it just it would just be nice to get all our players fit at the same time, you know, when when we had a, a back four fit and, you know, we're picking the same back four. We had problems up front. All that's coming back together now. You know, Morelos is back. His discipline issues are behind him. Roof's coming back. And obviously things are going to pot at the back there with, 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 with goals and all the rest of it. But I do think Ruth does offer us something, something different. You know, he's such a hard worker, such an intelligent player, good in the air, good finisher. You know, if Cholak's not doing
1: it, if Morellis is not doing it, here's another option. Absolutely, I, I think he's a great player. I, I don't understand the the people that you don't been. get him. Aye, like I, mean. I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Like, I know the guy cost a lot of money, um, and I know he's on big wages, but. At the end of the day, I think he paid it all back probably that, that 55 season, <laughs> um, to be honest. But even last year as well, when he was available, every pretty much every goal that he scored last season was a big goal, it was a winner. I think in the away game at Hibs at Easter Road, he scored a couple of equalisers against St Mirren away and St Johnson away when we were a goal down. He scored the winner against Aberdeen at home in March. He scored the winner against Braga. that took us into the semi-final. That probably actually got us a transfer fee back alone when it comes to you know prize money. um. I think he's a quality, quality player, Um, he really is, and as you say, he does offer something different, his movement, his touch, it's second to none. and what I think is going to be really, really interesting is perhaps, Gil kind of touched on it earlier, we've seen in the 55 season that Ruth kind of played as a sort of right forward, if you like, um. So I don't know if that might be something that Gio might be wanting to try. Maybe Roof and then yeah. through the middle of Roof and Morelos like it was that season. I know Gio wants to play with, you know, two proper wingers, but perhaps if we move to a sort of three at the back, your two, two wing backs and Tav and whoever that is on the left and then two sort of strikers, or maybe not two strikers, but, a, a, you know, a proper striker and then someone playing off the proper striker, kind of like Kent's been doing um, yeah. in a lot of European games. So uh, there's definitely a place for Roof in this team. I don't think it's as simple as saying, oh, well, he's now the third-choice striker. I mean, to be honest, after his performance in, in Wednesday night, and the 17 minutes that he came on, he done more than what Morello's done in the 73 minutes and yeah. what he was uh... on the pitch. So if anything, Roof should be the second-choice striker now. if you're looking at it that way. um, But the guy's a quality, quality player and... I really, really hope that his injury troubles are behind him. I mean, it was quite... I mean, I found it funny at the time. Before the game, a stretcher was coming um, trackside towards um, the the sort of dugout. And I said to my pal, I went, Christ, you don't think that's injured again, do you? Before the game's even started. (laughs) But um, no, he, he came on, he done really well. I think he's a quality player. And, you know... People saying, "Oh, we might only get five or six games out of him." But see, to be honest, see, if we only if we do get five or six games out of him, he scores five or six important goals. It's like we're going to need those important goals. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you look at towards the end of last season as well, he started that that week that we played Celtic and Braga, uh, the extra time week, as I like to call it. How important was he in the two games? You know, yeah. I think it was his. And I don't, I don't, I don't
0: think he was fully fit at that point yeah, either. Exactly. I think, I think then, he was struggling.
1: And then, even when he came on in the Europa League final for those three minutes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know. Can he really set up the
0: chance for Kent that Kent should have scored? Yeah.
1: It, it, exactly. That, this is what the guy can do when he's not even fully fit. Um, so, you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully all that is behind him now. Um, but even if it isn't and he still has a couple of wee niggles, I think if we can still get 25, 30 games a season out of him, I, I still think he's worth keeping because. If you play him 25, 30 times, he'll probably score between 12 and 15 goals. So you, you need
0: that. I also think it's good that, you know, you've got a striker in Cholak at the moment that's bang on for him, you know, scoring pretty much every week, scoring more than one every week. Uh, the level of competition, you know, he knows if, if I don't score this week, or well, Morelos might get in, or that's roof again, he might get in. You know, so that, to me, that's what makes a good team. Everyone, you know, more than one player fighting for that position and. We have that at the moment up front, you know. With, and you, you know, Roof can play out wide, obviously, but I think primarily he's a striker. Yeah. You know, to have three top quality strikers fighting for that number nine jersey, I think. I, I think it puts us in a good place. Uh, I wanted to talk about Gio and, uh, you know, the criticism he's been oh. receiving, and and you know, I've seen a lot of it on Twitter, stuff on WhatsApp. Uh, you know, is he getting sacked this week? Is he getting sacked next week? All that kind of thing. And I've got to be honest with you, I, right, I, I mean, I'm frustrated as well. You know, the, the level of performances are not great. Can't deny that. I mean, that on Wednesday night was was turgid. It was just a horrible, horrible game of football. Uh, but he's winning. <laughs> you know, take the Champions League out of the equation. Our domestic form is really, really good. You know, you, you, you think of but it was one of the main objectives this season to get into the Champions League. He's done that, and, it, and I think he had a fairly difficult run. But in the semi-final, of the it's it's not the Premier Cup now; it's getting changed again. And but the, it probably you
1: know, the Satanic Cup by the time uh, it's it's the, the, they'll bring that uh,
0: back. Premier Sports have been bought over, and I can't imagine who it's by, and it's going to be renamed by, the via play, I think.
1: Yeah, via there. play.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's same. So, but in the semi-final of that, you know, we're really only a bad refereeing decision at Easter Road away from being level with Celtic on points. So, I mean, when you put it like that, I don't think there's... You know, take the Champions League out of it. There's really no evidence in terms of results to to say that Gio deserves to be sacked at the moment. The criticism he's getting is purely down to the level of performance. So are we being a bit overcritical? You know, if he's getting points, I know it's a hard watch, and it is a hard watch at times,
1: but if he's getting the points, are we being overly critical? I mean... When did Rangers fans ever care about performances? Do you don't remember the time when it was like, oh, we don't care about performance as long as we win? That's all that matters. Um, it seems to be in the last sort of, well, this season, basically, that seems to have just completely flipped. Um, you know, I do think the criticism has, has been so over the top. I mean, look, you're, you're obviously allowed to criticise someone and I've criticised it as well. Look, you can't kind of beat around the bush. The football that we are playing there now is horrendous right? Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no really any other words to describe it. It's boring. It's, you know, it's just really, really bad to watch. But we're getting the results, um and I think you need to remember as well what this guy's had to put up with since coming in. More so in terms of the injuries. Now, look, I, I know a lot of people say, "Oh well, we shouldn't assign the likes of Suter because look at his problem with blah 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 halander. Halander, I think, was already already injured, already had injuries when when Gio came in. Ruth already had problems when Gio came in. So, regardless of what way you look at it, he was a free siding, so it's it's kind of risk-free. You're not gonna you're not gonna lose out a lot if sort doesn't work out. The three main injuries that we've had have been Haji, Morelos, and now Goldson, who have, you know, Haji's going to be out for over a year by the time he gets back. Morelos out for six months, Goldson probably about three. These guys have never been injured before, certainly not to that extent. Now, that is very, very, very unlucky T- to lose guys of that are quality, more Morelos and, and Goldson coming up. And I, I think Haji as well. I think a lot of people maybe underestimated how, how important Haji was to his. That the 55 season, I know I've, I've said that a few times tonight about that season, but he got the most assists in the league that year, I think more than Tav. Um, everyone's been saying Bob needed a proper link between the midfield and the attack for ages. For me, he was the man to do that. And obviously, things have happened. I, I kind of touched on it earlier with the whole winter break coming up. The issues that we have been dealt with, it's like, genuinely, if we win 1-0 up until the winter break, I'm happy. I think the time to judge G will be on style and performance, I think will come when we hopefully get a fully fit squad back in sort of January, February time. Um, personally, I think right now, he needs to be given the season like 100%, unless there is an unmitigated disaster where yeah. we lose you know, our next however many games and we're completely out of the title race. If that happens, fair enough, right? But um, for me right now, he needs to be given the season. And I think in terms of, I, I will be honest and say that going forward, after like next season, I'm kind of going towards, I don't really think he's a man to take us forward long-term. But I think certainly in the short term, absolutely. I think for me, I'm going to judge him on whether I think he should be the long-term manager at the start of next year, when he's got another transfer window, when we've got a fully fit squad and we can see how we play between sort of January and May and obviously how the results go. Um, You know, but I think some of the criticism's so over the top. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're allowed to... Everyone's allowed to criticise, do you know what I mean? It's... We're in a free society, but I, I think to call for, for jobs. Right? And the thing that really confuses me about people is, you know, ones that will say, well, Wilson, they, say, they basically just want everyone to go, everyone out. They just put a yeah. name in, in front of out. Um, and it's like, okay, um, right, well, if he sat in jail, Ross Wilson's still going to be there. So, you know, the problems that you're saying I've had under Ross Wilson will still persist under a new manager. Um, then even if you get rid of Ross Wilson but you don't get rid of Gio the problems that we've had under Gio are still going to persist even if Ross Wilson isn't there and then that's before you come into the whole finances of sacking a manager midway I think Gio mm-hmm. signed a four year deal or something like that I don't know exactly but you're having to buy him out of a contract with a couple of years remaining then I mean is there any decent managers out of work right now? Not that I know of so you're probably going to have to pay a, another compensation oh, No one's just left
0: firm. Aston Villa but we we'll going that <laughs>
1: No, no comment. Um, no comment, but, yeah. You, know, you never know if it... We, we could pay QPR enough and he could come back as, as Bill's assistant. But, um, you know, I, I just think some of the criticism so over the top. Like, give the guy... I think we just need to give the guy a break. I mean, and and another thing as well, when people talk about like his press conferences, I mean, I've been in a few of them, right? I mean, who cares about how the guy speaks? You, like, I just, yeah. I, I, I just want guys to get results on the pitch for Rangers, do you know what I mean? Like, and people are saying, oh, well, I prefer Gerard's press conferences to Gio's press conferences. And you're like, I mean, for goodness sake, it's a really bad day when you're actually comparing managers based on how they're press conference, How they're are. talking, yeah. I, I think that
0: comes from, I must admit, sometimes when I listen to Gio, I think, you know, and, and you're right, he can't, he can't help how he talks. I just wonder, though, if that's how he's speaking in the dressing room, is, is, is he able to... I'd imagine Gerard would have got a, a, a dressing room properly oh. up for a game. You know what I mean? I'd like, I think Ryan Jack would have been ready to kick his granny. You know what I mean? I think that's. What, I think that's where that criticism comes from. People look up and think, "Well, if, if that's an example of how he's doing his team talks, is he getting the team up for it?" But I, I, I agree with you. Look, like, I've been critical of Geo, and mm-hmm. I do have my concerns it's fine. about him. Yeah, it's fine yeah but I mean, I I just think that this talk, is he getting sacked this week? Is it next? like this? I, this assumption that he is about yeah. to be sacked, I, th- I think we're way off because that, based on uh, results, there's, there's no, there's no, there's there's no sort of case to argue that he gets a sack because he's, he's he's getting the results.
1: You're right, and and one thing about forget about people's opinions on whether they should or he shouldn't be sacked. The facts of the matter are he's not going to get sacked. Um, as I say, unless there is a complete and utter annihilation of the club in the next few weeks or whatever. So. Yeah. You know, the thing, I think the thing that the fans need to do is right now, we've got, I think, five really, really important games coming up, well, league games anyway, before before the, the World Cup. We need to get behind the club, we need to get behind the team, we need to get behind the manager. we seen a couple of years ago, and this, you know, my, my uh, acquaintance was a Celtic fan, um, mentioned this to me. He said, some of the hate that Lennon was getting from Celtic fans uh, the 55 season. Like that, a lot of Rangers fans are sort of turning on Gio the same way when at the start results were good. And I think just the pressure that was under Lennon, I think from the fans and whatnot, I think that had a big impact on how Celtic collapsed that season. So that's one thing that's really fearful with me this season is that even when, okay, performances aren't great, but results are okay, you know, I think the more pressure we put on the manager when the results are good, the the you know the more bad feeling that I've got that we could end up going the way that they went a couple of years ago, and um, that's just a wee theory. I mean, it might be true, it might not be, but that's that's kind of what I'm fearful of right now.
0: We'll see where it goes, but I think you're right. I don't think unless there's a, com- a complete capitulation in the league in terms of results, uh, I don't think he's going anywhere soon. Uh, final sort of topic tonight, Craig, the you know, the World Cup's coming up. <laughs> Don't even get me started in that, right? Proper traditionalists here, hating everyone about this World Cup. Uh, so it's coming up four or five weeks or whatever, sort of midway through November. I was kind of having a look at the fixture list tonight, you know, just moving forward. So we've we'll obviously Livingston tomorrow, Aberdeen at home next week, then St. Johnston away, Hearts at home, St. Murna away. So if we get the three points tomorrow, we're four fixtures away from, from that prolonged break given where we are in terms of confidence, you know, around the mood, around Geo, around the injuries, all that kind of thing, it just feels like, just win those four or five games, get to the break, gives us a wee breather, a chance to take stock, a chance to get some people fit again, and then we go again, sort of mid-December, January.
1: Absolutely, that that's the way that I see it. Um, and I think they're favourable factors, obviously you've got Aberdeen and Hearts in there, but they're both at home, so we need, we need to win every home game anyway. But I think if you look at the other side of the city as well, they've got three away games. They've got Hearts away tomorrow, Livvy away next week. Um, and I think their other away fixers, Motherwell, um, I think their two home fixers will be pretty pretty straightforward. But, you know, I'm thinking here, you know, on it not, there could be a chance to maybe, to maybe bridge that gap a wee bit. If we can get five wins put together, we know how hard Celtic find out at Towncastle. We know how hard they find out at Livingston. So there's Mm -hmm. no reason why they can't drop points tomorrow or next week. Um, You know, I I think, as you say, it's just a case of get through this tough period. It is a tough period, but I I genuinely think, you know, if we can get to, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to take it, right, but if we're in the same position, two points behind, at least going into the winter break, you know, it's not a disaster. Do you know what I mean? I think it would be be okay. One thing that I've been kind of saying recently is that, Look Now, this is probably the first time going into a season where for about 12 years that both Rangers and Celtic fans are going in expecting to win the league. You know, I think last year Celtic never really expected anything. The year, the, the years before we won the league, we were kind of like, we were hoping we were obviously going to do 55, but I don't think we had that expectation as such. Whereas now both clubs, we, you need to win the league. And I would say... Every season, we've got, we got the last Old Firm game of the spot at home. If we go in two points behind the last Old Firm game at home, win your last five games, the last Old Firm at Ibrox, you've won the league. To be honest, I would take that at the start of every season. If you had to win your last five league games and the last Old Firm was at Ibrox and you're two points behind, I would take that every season. So I think right now the position, that whilst it's not ideal, you never ever want to be behind Celtic, obviously. But, you know, they've, they're a good team, you know, and... Right now, they're having a few injury problems as well. Let's see how they do away It hearts. Let's see how they do away at living um, with the injury problems that they've got. Um, and, you know, as I say, we can get, you know, the five wins. Hopefully they can drop a, a few more points and, you know, it might make the bit a wee bit but, I mean, look, we're all sitting here mourning about Rangers. We could be talking like this time tomorrow. I mean, yeah, we I could be know. five <laughs> points behind as well, but like no. that, that's was, how I, close it is.
0: I was actually speaking about this to David Rend, uh, who used to used to used to be on the pod. It was on the WhatsApp through the week, and I was like, "Imagine they go to Hearts, get beat, and we be beat Livingston." And, and we're, we're, obviously, they, they'll stay top on goal difference, but we've caught up with them in terms of points. I was like, I think I'm hosting the show on Sunday. I says, I think I'll just spend that full 60 minutes just laughing. I just, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, we're in, in such a situation where everybody's talking about oh, it's time to be Geo, Rangers are never going to win the league. I says, I could be sitting here on, on Sunday night talking about, well, that's Rangers.